Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Klassen, and today I have Dr. Sarah Coxon on with us. She is an archaeologist turned activist, author, and business mentor for priestesses. She helps women dig deep into to own their priestess magic and make money, live their dharma, not their conditioning. So I'm excited to chat with you today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. So first, I kind of want to go off the jumping point of just your transition from being an archaeologist to now priestess work. What was that journey like? Oh, wow. I mean, that journey, and where do I even begin? So (laughs) I think, you know, since I was a really young girl, I felt this, um, this sense of maybe being born in the wrong century. I don't know if anyone listening has that kind of feeling where it's almost like there's some ancient wisdom there's some ancient way of being that I just kind of felt that in our modern society that we were really disconnected from and I was obsessed with the past when I was little so I wanted to understand the past even more and I went down the only route that I really knew at that time at the age of 18 I decided to go and and do a degree in archaeology and then that turned into doing a master's degree And then that turned into working on a project and writing my PhD alongside. And throughout that time, I was really kind of searching for, I guess I was searching for some kind of meaning. I was searching to reconnect to people of the past. And it was during my time as an archaeologist that I I came across and started to understand why it was that I felt so disconnected from myself. It was during my second year of my degree when I did a a module called Feminist Archaeology, not as scary as it sounds. (laughs) And um, and it was during that time that I realized that, you know, women are still treated as second class citizens even today. But it wasn't always like that. And that thousands of years ago, men and women were living in relatively peaceful communities and the archaeological evidence shows that uh, we weren't living in a patriarchy where the masculine and males are seen as more superior than the feminine and women and in fact there was kind of equilibrium there was equality between the sexes and I got to understand more about patriarchy as a system of oppression I got to understand that really I mean patriarchy as a system of oppression has roots in maybe 4,000 years ago, but prior to that, it didn't exist. And that's what's kind of given rise to this kind of patriarchal society where, like I said, men men are seen as more valuable than women, the masculine. And when I talk about masculine and feminine, it's like approaches, energies, traits. This is seen as more uh, powerful than the feminine. And it kind of, yeah, I kind of had a light bulb moment during my studies. But also the greatest irony was that what I was realizing was that I wanted to reconnect to this sense of feminine energy. I wanted to reconnect to something that I was clearly disconnected from. Um, But I was trying to do it within the structures of academia, which is inherently hierarchical. It's based on competition and, you know, cranking up publications and, really these are the 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 lower levels of masculine consciousness this is what you know patriarchy is kind of um rooted in so i had my wake-up call when i was 24 my 
I was halfway through my PhD and my brother Nev died suddenly of a drugs overdose and it was accidental. It knocked me for six. I have never felt pain like it. And that was a moment when it kind of smacked me awake and I realized that, okay, you've kind of gone down this academic route. You went down it because you thought this was the route to understanding yourself. And also it just happened to coincide with the fact that, you know, it was kind of expected of me to do well and be successful and kind of study hard. And, and I had to face this truth that actually I was living a life that was not in alignment with who I really am. And I also had to face the truth that, you know, my work was never really to be an archaeologist. It was just kind of part of the puzzle. It gave me that kind of key understanding. But really, as time went on and as I eventually left, I understood that my, my work in this world is to reclaim the feminine. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> mm. Oh, gosh. Yes. Thank you for sharing your story. And I'm so sorry. Um, about your brother and uh, thank you all of that you know your journey and I think so many of us can relate to that or having that kind of experience where maybe you felt that nudge but not everyone follows that that path so if Mm -hmm. people are listening and maybe they've felt that before like I'm not on my right path do you have any words of wisdom for helping people um, you know whether it's to be brave to you know to follow their passion or their dharma um, you know what kind of advice do you have if people are kind of swirling in that stuck energy? Mm, I think that's such a good question. And yeah, I mean, I hear this time and time again, like I feel stuck. I feel like, you know, I want to be doing more purposeful work. I want to be in more, I want to be my unapologetically myself. But the thing is that, you know, we have to recognize that most of the time, the reason that we are not living in alignment with who we truly are is because of our conditioning. And so much of it is for women is rooted in patriarchy. So I want you to understand that, you know, it's not your fault. I think this is really important as well, because we tend to kind of blame ourselves like, oh, I'm not living my purpose or I'm not being authentically myself. I'm letting myself be held back by fear. And yes, that's true. And, you know, you've been given this like heavy set of conditioning, which has made you believe that you're supposed to live your life in a certain way. So that's the first piece, that illumination piece. Understand it's not your fault that you've been given this kind of prescriptive way of being. And now that you are kind of feeling that sense of, hmm, something's not right then, which is actually to give yourself a lot of space and let yourself, give yourself permission to not have it figured all out right now. This is, you know, this is where we get ourselves so twisted. We kind of feel like, okay, I, I know that this isn't right, but I, I need to have it all figured out. And what if you can just give yourself some space and instead start to notice what is calling you? Notice the desires, notice the, the wisdom that drops in. Give yourself a lot of space and then step by step, just start to lean into these nudges. And most likely these nudges are gonna, you know, leaning in is gonna really scare you. You're gonna have to get out of your comfort zone. You're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to be, start to get really comfortable with befriending fear. But really, yeah, that's the, that's the, the process of, a, of um, reclamation is to really give yourself space and allow yourself to allow the callings, the nudges to drop in and then lean in. Mm. 
And do you think your purpose can change throughout your lifetime? Or do you think it's one kind of stagnant or one kind of, um, you know, here's the main purpose and you're kind of slowly unfolding different areas until you get there? Mm, That's a really good question. I believe that purpose and Dharma is always evolving, but it's also quite fluid. You, in my own experience, there's definitely been a red thread that's kind of ran through everything. You don't always see it at the time, but looking back, you can see it and you go, oh, that was a stepping stone to that and to that and to that. Um, but I do have a sense that if we believe that there is this one big life purpose, sometimes that's just a lot of pressure and we, we're trying to box ourselves in too quickly. And, you know, actually we're supposed to get out of the boxes. We're not supposed to be caged. We're not supposed to be boxed. So I would say if anyone is like, I need to find my one life purpose now is like, let go of that. And instead recognize that Dharma purpose is very, very fluid. And, you know, you can live your purpose. You don't have to necessarily um, change everything about your life to live your purpose. And in fact, rather than live with purpose, I, I like to kind of play on the words and say, live on purpose and with purpose rather than live your purpose because then it becomes all about intention. We can live very, very intentionally. We can make decisions day to day that are in truth with what we believe in, what our values are or not. And I think that's a great starting point because that really allows us to really kind of um, explore what our purpose is, what our Dharma is rather than trying to prescribe it. I love that. And I, I can relate to that as well. Just, you know, having that red thread that just is through and it's just kind of, that's, that's the next stepping stone. Oh, that led me to this new area that I uncovered about myself. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people can really relate to like not having that big overall purpose. Cause I do think a lot of people get stuck in that, like, oh my goodness, what if I mess it up? And yeah, there is no like mess up. It's just, you know, living on purpose every single day, getting closer to Um, you know, whatever goals maybe that you've set in your life. Yeah, I absolutely love that. You know, if if it, if anything puts pressure on you, like sack it off. That's what I believe Mm -hmm. because you, we can't create and we can't intuit when we are feeling pressure or we can't so well because we're experiencing, um, you know, constriction and contraction. And so, yeah, if, if you have this pressure, just let it go and know that you are already enough as you are and you're already living your dharma in some way you are already having an impact in some way you just may not be conscious of it yet i would love to know how how do you get aligned um each day because i think sometimes um you know some days we might feel super aligned with with our purpose and with our dharma but then you know, it might be great for a couple of weeks. And then I always hear from people, they just feel like they get knocked back for a month. How do you kind of stay aligned with your purpose or with your Dharma each day? That's, that's such a great question. For me, it really is about um, building emotional intelligence and emotional resilience, the ability to manage and diffuse challenging emotions because usually this is what kind of knocks us off our path. You know, we, we're kind of like, yeah, I'm doing it. It's all happening. And then like the thought kicks in or the belief kicks in or something happens. And suddenly, you know, we feel absolutely terrible. Um, 
and really, you know, learning to navigate our emotions and really let them in and really feel them so that they can then just move on through as emotions are designed to move through. I think that's like the key. That's like my daily, my daily practice. It's like, if I'm like, oh, I'm feeling really, you know, it can be something really simple. Like, I mean, this is a really stupid example, but it's true. You know, as a business owner, sometimes I will check out my Instagram account and I'll be like, oh my God, that last post, like God, like hardly any engagement. And then I feel the, I can feel it in my body. It's this sense of, it's like this deep core wound that I'm in the process of healing of like, oh, I'm not good enough. And the only way to release that is to just sit and breathe and feel it. And these emotions usually only have ever have a lifespan of like three to five minutes and then it's released and then it's moved through. And then you're able to take action that is coming from a space of, you know, expansion rather than from these emotions that you're trying to push down, push down, push down, suppress. And I, I hear it from a lot of people as well. It's like, oh, yeah, but if I'm not feeling high vibe all the time, then this means that I won't be able to manifest my goals. And alignment isn't about being high vibe all the time. Alignment is about you know, coming back to your truth. And that's a very different uh, process. Yeah. And I find, um, you know, for myself, like my menstrual cycle really will affect what my alignment looks like, you know, days of the month. (laughs) And I think sometimes, you know, we don't always talk about that, but that can also be a big thing as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or, you know, what's happening with the moon or even seasonal, you know, we're recording, I'm in Portugal at the moment and, you know, it's winter and, you know, excuse me if I don't want to be like out there go getting all the time. It's because I want to be like resting and like reflecting and I'm in this great place of renewal. And, you know, this is our society is built in a very linear way, but this is what's causing most of this is what's really got us in a pickle. This is why so many people have burnt out. And even in agricultural practices, this, you know, in agricultural practices in the modern day, we don't even let our soils regenerate. We don't give them that space to, to rest. Um, and, you know, this is, I love what you said about your menstrual cycle and cycles. It's like understanding that alignment looks different according to which phase of our menstrual cycle, lunar cycle, seasonal cycles that we are in. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the, what I found, cause I'm really big into the seasonal and cyclical living. And um, mm. I think that sometimes we forgot, you know, like, my grandma is 94 and this is stuff that like she practiced like very seasonal intentional living and, you know, and just talking with her and, you know, she grew up on a farm and, you know, just learning about her life. I'm like, wow, a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, it just kind of got lost, I guess, in the last, you know, probably 60 years. So it's kind of interesting that I think that there is a resurgence of people wanting that back, you know, wanting to live more intentionally. And I think this past year really has brought that to the forefront of us needing to slow down and start to look at our emotions and stuff that comes up oh my gosh I couldn't agree more and I'm really lucky where I live now so I I'm from the UK and I moved to the Algarve in Portugal uh, three and a half years ago and people here really do live seasonally like the the community that I live in you know, it's very uh, based on tourism anyway so you know there's the summer season but that actually has enabled me to 
you know, everyone slows down during the winter and, you know, we're all sat in front of the fire and having long kind of cozy chats with each other. I mean, not the moment because we're, you know, in the dreaded lockdown, but um, yeah, it, that's really taught me a lot. And also, you know, where I live, we, we eat seasonally as well. And I, when I was living in the UK, like I was so out of touch because everything came from supermarkets or like maybe veg boxes um, if I was feeling, you know, pretty flush. And um, yeah, and I think you're right. There is a resurgence. And now a lot of people are interested in permaculture and, and um, regenerative living. And I'm like, yes, because this is the feminine. Like this is, you know, we talk about feminine awakening. And of course we had like, the, the me too movement and yeah that's definitely part of it but really coming back to nature that's the feminine rising as well mm. that was going to be something I wanted to chat about was kind of that the feminine power because I know you know we're going to chat chat about it in just a second with your book but in your book title you have feminine power and I would love to know what does that mean to you mm. in my experience for me Feminine power is this return to um, cyclical regenerative living. It is the return to our innate patterns and cycles of creativity because we are here to create and channel and um, bring things forth into the world. And it's also about returning to our bodies and our bodily wisdom, our instincts and our intuition. For me, these are kind of like the main forces of, of feminine power, these things that, you know, our society has kind of taught us over the past few decades to override. And now, now we're coming back to them because it's a, it's a great source of, yes, it's a great source of our power. Yeah. And what do you think, um, you know, just kind of curious on this with, you know, how does it help the more people? So if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I love what they're saying, but they're not quite there yet in their own life to like fully, you know, captivate that feminine power. Um, you know, why is it so important for, you know, not just some women to awaken to this, but you know, all of us. Mm. We, we have a collective responsibility to bring our planet back into alignment just as we are here to bring ourselves back into alignment we're here to bring our planet back into alignment and that means addressing the the masculine feminine imbalance that there still is within our global society so that's like that underpins everything I do it's like this sense of okay there's a there's a bigger there's a bigger contribution to me starting to notice the cycles of nature, starting to listen to my body, starting to listen to my nudges and creating that which wants to come through me, starting to make my decisions in alignment with my intuition, not just my logic. So that's, that's kind of my answer to that is that we, you know, we, we're here to play our part in the evolution of our planet. And that's why it's so important to reclaim feminine power. It's not about elevating the feminine over the masculine. And there are, you know, there are high levels of masculine consciousness and there are low levels, just as there are high levels of feminine consciousness and low levels. It's not about, you know, we're not, <laughs> my mom used to have a fridge magnet that was like, that said, 
um, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. It's not that. It's not this sense of like, you know, feminine empowerment to the point where we're going to put men down. It's That's like icky old paradigm stuff. It's about understanding that, yeah, this imbalance, there's a pendulum swing now where we do have to reclaim the feminine. We do have to reclaim these aspects of us because then we're going to be able to come into balance with sacred masculine and sacred feminine. I don't know if that answers your question. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it does. And I think that, um, I mean, last year, I think for us, the pandemic to have it go worldwide, I think it showed how connected that we all are. And so Mm -hmm. if we kind of think of it in that way too, with, with women, you know, like that is, it's, it's a ripple effect. Like we are all connected. We all, whether we know it or not, are affecting each other. Yeah, absolutely. We're all having an impact. And, and, you know, I have a phrase, I say, you know, your expansion is a gift to the world. If, if, you know, you, Andrea, hadn't decided to really step into your calling, if I hadn't, then there would be no ripple effects from this conversation now. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's not egoic, that's not egotistical. It's about acknowledging the the interconnectedness of everything. And it feels good to know that you, all of us, we're here to contribute and all human beings want to contribute in some way. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, I want to kind of, I want to touch on this just because um, I haven't had anyone on the podcast talk about priestess. And I would love to know, um, you know, kind of I think it's kind of all on that feminine power line, but who is the priestess? Mm. So the priestess made herself known to me when I was an archaeologist. So as I was explaining earlier on, the, you know, once upon a time, men and women, masculine and feminine were equal. And then slowly over time, feminine was devalued, women kind of lost their rights, their power, except for priestesses. So I'm I'm thinking, you know, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, there were women in the roles of priestess who were literally channels for the divine. So there was a priestess in ancient Greece called the Pythia. She was a channel for the god Apollo. And arguably she was probably one of the most powerful women in ancient Greece because she was dispensing all this advice as the channel of Apollo. And it was the same in Rome with the Vestal Virgins. And so despite the devaluation of the feminine throughout ancient history, in I'm talking primarily in Europe, we, we see the priestess as a portal to feminine power, to status, to purpose. And in modern day times, you know, the priestess was kind of outlawed from, you know, 500 AD. So we're talking one of one and a half thousand years ago in Europe, you know, um, Christianity took over. There were early priestesses in early Christianity, but then, you know, women were kind of told, no, you can't have a, a role to play in channeling divine wisdom. But women were practicing their priestesshood elsewhere as, you know, witches, as healers. And of course, they got persecuted for it with the the witch hunts um, throughout the 15th, 16th and 17th century. And in modern day times, priestesshood is about owning the fact that we are here to channel, to 
create, to teach, to facilitate. So if you are, if you've ever been feeling the call to stand up for injustice, to make the world a different place, to create beauty, whether it's art or music, to teach, to hold space, to facilitate, to heal, you're actually embodying the energy of the priestess. And the priestess as an energetic archetype is a channel of the divine. She's this kind of no BS catalyst for change. And so the way I see it, and this is what I've written in the book, is that really by aligning ourselves with the energy of the priestess, you know, an archetypal blueprint of consciousness, we are um, aligning ourselves with the power and the ability to create heaven here on earth, to dismantle these systems of oppression, to own our gifts and to really live our magic so that we can make the world a better place. Mm. I love that. And I love that you have, you know, the activism, you know, kind of it's built in there, you know, it's all encompassing. It's not like you can be, you have to be a priestess, but you can't, you know, speak out or, you know, the activism is all folded together. So I love that you've brought that brought that in there. Cause I think sometimes that can be a missing piece um, that feels like, okay, you can't speak out about things or you're not staying in that high energy, which I don't agree with. So, um, you know, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I love that. And this is something that, um, you know, ever since I was kind of 15, 16, I was like a punk rocker, you know, like shaved undercut and looked very, very um, interesting. But, you know, when I was that age, I felt like I was kind of anti-establishment, but I just couldn't articulate it. You know, typical teenager, I was like, I was pissed and I didn't know why. And now I, I, now I can understand that more. It's like, yeah, there does need to be sacred activism in our work. And I, you know, I'd never called myself a sacred activist before, but really that's what this work is. When you are helping people reclaim their themselves and live regeneratively and you know embody abundance and like live their purpose and their dharma like that is sacred activism because the ripple effects are going to be far more potent and far more powerful than just going to a demonstration or a march that's my personal belief Thank you. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I would love to know now, you know, just because you've kind of talked a little bit about it, but, you know, tell us about your book and, um, you know, who it's for and what made you or inspired you to write it. Mm. So, I mean, I always wanted to write a book. I, I wrote a PhD, not definitely not the same thing. Like if anyone wrote, if anyone read my PhD, they would be bored, um, <laughs> but like including me, but um, I, I always wanted to write a book and and this, this kind of idea of priestesshood was really, it dropped in and was really solidifying um, maybe two years ago. And then, you know, of course, with the pandemic, people were either making babies or writing books. And I was like, well, I don't really want a baby yet. So I'm going to write a book. Um, so, that's, so that's how it happened. And I wanted to also own the fact that I was an archaeologist because it was an important part of my life. And, um, you know, I had all this, this kind of archaeological knowledge and I have a, a certain way of seeing the world that I think some new age writers don't necessarily have. And I'm not saying that like I'm better or anything like that. It's just different. So I, I kind of just wanted to bring all of that together. So, but I also wanted to write about my life because when I was an academic, you know, you have to write in very academic terms and use jargon and, you know, not put your feelings in at all. 
so it was really it was a labor of love and it was a process of um yeah just writing from the heart writing bringing together the the red threads that we were talking about and really it was a process of really understanding myself and like oh that's what my life's been about so far mm-hmm. so really the book is it's a memoir but it's also um a a call to arms for any woman that just feels stifled that feels stuck that feels like she's here for more and it's very activating you know my I'm not a flowy flowery writer it's very much like boom there's a point boom there's a point so it's like it's yeah it's punchy and yeah there are some real nuggets of wisdom that I've I've been lucky enough to receive and learn throughout my lifetime so it's really for anyone that um wants to understand about priestesshood wants to step into this role of priestesshood and wants a loving kick up the butt I love it. I love it. And I don't know if we shared the title, but it's the way of the priestess, a reclamation of feminine power and divine purpose. And people can find that anywhere where they buy books. Yes. So it's on Barnes and Noble, um, Amazon in brackets. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Waterstones, um, book depository, uh, book, booktopia. Yeah. It's basically everywhere. So <laughs> you can find it. <laughs> I love it. Now people are listening and um, like, I've had a few friends who are in like priestess, um, I don't know if they're circles, but they're like in a way of, I, again, I don't, I'm not familiar with like, if they're being like ordained to be anything, but if someone's thinking um, like, can I read this book and can I really gain some of that wisdom that they might through these programs, but they don't want to commit to like, I'm going to, you know, do this for five years type of thing. Mm. I, th- I take a very liberal view on what priestesshood is. Um, so, I mean, I facilitate priestess circles and things like that. Um, but I, I take a very strict back approach. So if you're really into like the ceremonial stuff and really, you know, like the witchy stuff, then for sure this book will be um, interesting for you. But you might want to kind of really go and do those in-depth kind of studies. Okay. This is this is really about kind of for me making priestesshood modern and understanding that like if you're involved in making the world a better place like you're channeling the priestess like that's what you're doing there's that energy so there is there is a distinction but there's definitely overlap. Oh, perfect! That answered my question because I was I didn't know if I worded it well, but you you understood what I was saying, so thank you. I understood. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love if people are like, where can we find you? You know, if they're wanting to connect, where's the best pace to find you website, um, social media, anything like that. So I, I hang out every day, not all day, every day uh, boundaries, but I hang out every day on Instagram. So you can, um, say hello, um, at Dr. Dr. Sarah Coxon. Um, yeah, I would love to hear what resonated for you from our conversation. So really feel free to send me a DM and just say, hi, I, you know, I, I don't really believe in social media being like, oh, I'm about all followers. Like it's really a place to connect. So you can check me out there. Um, obviously, if you are interested in going further into understanding priestesshood than the book and also my website, www.drsarahcoxon.com, there are some free uh, meditations and guides and things, free resources there as well. So you can check that out. And then do you have a podcast as well? 
I do have a podcast. I completely forgot. Um, I saw I a podcast on your website. I was like, oh, I gotta plug your podcast too. <laughs> I know. I completely forget. I'm really not good at this. Um, yeah, it's called the Way of the Priestess podcast, and yeah, it's really all about like stepping into feminine leadership, divine feminine, um, and also like business stuff as well. Because I also um, mentor magical women, so yeah there's quite a few interviews on there and solo podcasts and yeah it's a good resource if you're interested in this stuff I love it I love it well I have one final question for you um, and when I have a guest on I like to have you guys kind of throw out a weekly challenge to everyone so what would you like that weekly challenge to be oh this is this is so good this is really original I love it <laughs> so I challenge you guys this week to to really cultivate a connection with your body and to listen to the signs of your body by, you know, every few hours or even if it's just every day to just take a few moments to just feel the whole of your body. Notice what you're thinking, notice your emotions, notice where they are and just even like breathing space into it. That's that kind of building emotional intelligence and emotional resilience piece. And it sounds almost too easy but really cultivating a relationship with the body by listening I believe it's like the portal to freedom Mm. yeah and I I agree sometimes it sounds easy and then you actually try to incorporate some of these practices and you realize okay there's a lot of wisdom here. yeah Yeah. and sometimes you're like wow I'm really in my head a lot of the time and that's also okay Um, but yeah, just taking a few moments whenever you can to just be like, right, I'm going to feel my body and just like love on it. Yeah. It makes such a difference. I love that. I love that. I'm going to try that too, because I have a four-year-old and I'm working on him trying to, you know, put voice to this and teaching him how to use his breath to calm down. And, you know, I think the earlier that kiddos can learn, you know, the better they are going to be at hopefully working through emotions and when they become adults. So that's my goal. Oh my gosh, your little one is so lucky to have you as a mom. That's amazing. This is the kind of stuff like I wish that I had been taught as a child. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's why I'm like doing it with them. I'm like, okay, I can see the little anger or emotion that comes up. But then again, if he remembers to breathe, it's just, it's amazing, you know, just for him to calm down. Cause I'm like, okay, if you're going to start kindergarten next year, we gotta, we gotta have these techniques in your, in your toolkit. So you can do this without, you know, me or my husband present. So I love it. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yes, that's beautiful. Oh. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. It was such a pleasure to, you know, talk about the priestesshood and, um, you know, all things about connecting, you know, to your body and feeling your emotions. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And thank you guys for listening as well. Yes. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. <laughs>